It'd be wonderful. All right, so Jeremy and I, we are going to continue um, or kind of circle back around. We did this a while back, and uh, we're going to go back through our core values. And some of you are like, probably like, well, why we got to do that? No, we already got those down, right? We show them every week. We talk about them. Well, there's something about hearing something over and over and over again that helps kind of get it to stick, right? But I'm going to take a little bit different view this morning. And as we go throughout this series again, um, kind of about the process of transformation, but, but also the evidence of. Do you, do you guys feel like I'm echoing a little bit? I wonder what that's about. What's that? So the, the A-plus tech guy is on the soundboard over here, so we're good. All right, so what we're going to talk about a little bit is just about the evidence of transformation, okay? So we are all here. Uh, in part by what? Because we want to we want to change, right? We want to get better. We want to grow more like Christ. If if um, we wanted to just kind of maybe stay the same or not see transformation in our lives, would we come to come to church? Well, you you probably would to 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 see other people to to fellowship with believers. But a big big part of what we do is we share the word of God. And, and what the Spirit puts on our, our heart to share, therefore transformation inside of us begins. It also happens when? When you do your devotions and you're in the Word of God and the Spirit is speaking directly to you. So, I want to read a couple definitions of transformation. The first is a thorough and dramatic change in form or appearance. That would be one way to look at transformation. Another is to, to change into another form to transform or to transfigure, okay? So we're going to talk about, and I've never done all the years that I've been sharing the, the gospel, I've never done the, the analogy around the, um, the caterpillar and the butterfly, but I'm going to do that today. And uh, Jeremy's shared that in the past and millions of others, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a shot today too. So you'll have to grade me at the end of this, see how I do. But, but I wrote down a couple things. So the confirmation of transformation is the evidence of change, right? So the confirmation of transformation is the evidence of change. Brad and I and Sarah and Kylie were talking this morning. We're on this, this um, fitness challenge and kind of trying to get healthier. And we have seen some, some evidence of our transformation through our dedication and, and discipline to follow an eating plan this week, right? So I'm, there's many, many others out there that are doing the same thing. Well, if we were doing that and you don't see evidence of the change of that transformation, it can get discouraging, can it? So then you begin to doubt, well, well, should I really be doing this? Well, it's similar inside of the process of change in, in our walk with Christ is that we may read a verse in the Bible and expect massive change in our lives in that moment. But does that happen? Sometimes it does, but oftentimes it's a process of change over time. It's not a one-time event where, okay, I'm going to eat right today and tomorrow morning wake up in this awesome state, right? Well, that would be cool, but it doesn't happen that way. Well, our walk with God is similar and our transformation is similar. It's going to happen over time. So I want to share a few scriptures with you today. I think we got about 152 scriptures loaded today. So I don't know if we're going to get through them all. I am excited, and I'll give you a little bit of a heads up. Um, most of the time, I share out of the New Living Translation version, translation, or NIV. Today, we're going to get into Romans 7 and 8. I'm going to spend the majority of the time there um, in the message version. 
and it's pretty cool. I, it's been uh, quite a long time since I've looked at the message version. So if you want to just be thinking about that in your Bible app, if you want to follow along or anybody online, that's where we're going to be today. So let's take a look at Romans 12, 1 and 2. It starts out, it says, Therefore for I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, right, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. It goes on into verse 2. It says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed into a new person by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So I want to pause there just for a minute. But be transformed. So the Word of God is very direct this morning, right? It is saying be transformed into what? A new person, right? So the old Josh is gone, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. The new has come, right? Be transformed into a new person by the renewing of your mind. So how many of us struggle up here in our own mugs? I've shared that a lot, right? A lot of what we need to do is just control more of what's going in this thing so there's good things spiling around inside of it throughout our day. 40,000 thoughts a day or something. It's crazy. But yet we don't manage them. But God is saying right here, man, you you got you to gotta have a renewing in your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Well, let's talk about God's will for a minute. Who wants God's will in your life? Okay, 20 of you or so. Um, all right, that's good. So 20 of you, I'm talking to you. Right? So we want God's will in our life. I mean, we, we come to church and we hear a message and we, we dive into the Word of God, but, but ultimately we, wanna, we want the Holy Spirit to, to speak to us so that we know what His will is so we can make good decisions, right? Because life is coming at us 100 mile an hour, right? There, with social media and technology, there's wonderful things about it, but there's other things that are very challenging. So we have to be focused Focus on God's words so we understand what he wants us to do in those situations. And I will tell you this, that the more time you spend in God's word, you, there's times that we've got, I don't know, an hour or a day or a week or even a month or more to make decisions, right? There's situations like that, and those are wonderful. You get a little bit of time to think about it. You get some time to pray about it and come to a conclusion on what God's led you to. Well, there's other times that we have to make decisions in the very moment that we're in, right? Well, those are the times that really begin to kind of define our character a little bit. Because if we're rooted in the gospel message of Christ and the Word of God, what's going to come out of us? The fruits of the Spirit. The love and the joy and the peace and so on. So it's a little bit of a challenge to myself and to everybody this morning is... Those decisions sometimes that are spread out a little bit are a little easier to make than the ones in the moment. But the more and the closer you're holding on to God's hand, the easier it is going to be to make those decisions quickly. Okay? All right. Take a look at 2 Corinthians 3.18. says, And we all who, were, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Again, confirmation that God wants to see transformation in our lives. Okay, so let's go on to the caterpillar and the butterfly analogy. I found this picture, thought it was pretty cool. I had to look up how to pronounce chrysalis. 
I think that's how you say it. I, I go with cocoon, right? I'm going to go with cocoon. It's a little easier. So just thinking about this, so think about and imagine, I guess what I, what I want you to think about is imagine us in a caterpillar state before giving our lives to Christ, and then bam, into that butterfly state, right? That's where we want to go. We want to soar to different levels. So keep that in mind. So the, a caterpillar, what they do is they slowly move across the ground. I'm not going to get out and do that this morning. But they, they, they go around and they eat whatever it is in front of them. And oftentimes they're, they're conforming to their environment, right? For, for One reason is for protection, right? The other is because that's what they're doing. They're in the environment. They're conforming to it. You, I can't imagine they can see very far, right? If I asked you all to get down on the ground right now and just look right ahead of you, do you think you'd be able to see very far in front of you? Probably not. So inside of a caterpillar's life, it can be a challenge, I'm sure. So then what happens is, is they attach themselves to a branch, and imagine a branch above that little cocoon, and what happens is, is a web forms around them, and transformation begins to happen on the inside of them. Can't really see it. It's going on on the inside. Before you know it, the wings are developed. The, I can probably call them tentacles, whatever, eyes, right? Are they what they're called, tentacles? No, Mia, what are they? Well, then don't make fun of me if you don't know the answer. But anyways, right? So here comes the butterfly, an amazing soaring a whole nother view, a whole nother perspective, right? So you got this little fuzzy creature growing on the ground. It's kind of cute and whatever, but now you got this beautiful butterfly. Well, think about our transformation inside of that. That's what God wants for us. Before we give our lives to Christ, which is, I'm a living example of this, I absolutely 100% conform to the environment that I was in, Right? college, high school, and doing, making very poor choices, drugs and alcohol, and, and ma every major regret I have in my life is during those times in my life. And, and that was the influence that I was under at the time. But I conformed to my environment. I didn't stand out. I didn't go against the grain. I lived in and about the world every single day. Whenever I understood the, the that God had for me, and I was a child of His, and accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I began that transformation process. Well, guess what? I didn't grow wings, if you will, overnight, right? That process began inside of me. There was transformation that began to happen that the people couldn't see around me. But guess what? Over time, they could see that transformation. Why? Because we're changing from the inside out. So now you don't see me conforming to the patterns of the world. You see me at times going very much against the patterns of the world. And I fly at a totally different perspective. You know, if you think about it, I always, I always say, you know, fly at a 40,000 foot view at times. And, and a little bit just kind of from a, a life standpoint. How many of you in the past couple weeks here, 2020 have kind of backed up into an airplane mode and said, you know what, I'm going to fly at a 40,000-foot view. I'm going to look at everything going on in my life, all the major areas of my life, and kind of reassess. A buddy of mine used to say, it's time for a, a check from the neck up, right? So how many of you have done that? If you have, what you've experienced is, is you've gotten out of the everyday stuff, low to the ground, and you've risen up, so your perspective totally changes, God wants our perspective to totally change. 
if we want to understand the perspective that he has for us, what do we need to do? Number one is you make the decision to give your life to Christ. Number two, you begin to get dialed into the Word of God through discipleship programs, through your own home study. Um, it could be devotions, whatever it is. But God wants to see that transformation because our perspective of the world radically changes. So let me ask you this. Butterflies in the room. Butterflies in the room. Is your perspective different now than it was when you were a caterpillar? Okay. Maybe 15 on that one. So... So some of you, what you're telling me about, you got wings, but you're still like scooting across the ground, right? I'm just kidding, right? So our perspective is different. So would somebody else say that about you? Rhonda thinks so, and right? So my point is, it, and I would say the same thing about Rhonda, okay? Because I can see evidence of change inside of who she is. Well, that's the thing. We can come to church and say we're butterflies, but we're not flying. We're still crawling on the ground, right? That's not what God wants for us. He wants to see transformation, evidence of that transformation. If you stick out like a sore thumb at times, it's okay, because that's what he wants for you. If you feel like others, when they look at you, and it's not about what people's opinions are of you, it's not at all. But if you know that people can see change inside of you and evidence of the gospel of Christ living inside of you, that's what it's about. That's the mission behind our first core value of transformation. Okay? Does that make sense today? All right. So we're going to keep moving along. And we're going to dive into some Bible characters. And I want to give you some examples today of characters in the Bible that, that had absolute transformation. The first is let's take a look at Jesus' apostles. Right? So these are men who are ordinary men, fishermen, tax collector, right? All that. But what happened? They, after Jesus gave them the direction, we are here today in a church body of believers because of them. Do you think there was transformation in their lives before they knew Christ and after they knew Christ? You better believe it. And how awesome would it be or have been to be walking with Jesus? Well, guess what? God provided the Holy Spirit, which is Jesus, to walk with us every day, right? So we can have the same transformation that the apostles had, radical transformation. Let's talk about John 1 through 11. We're not going to read through this today, but it, if you remember, it's a woman caught in adultery. So imagine these men caught a woman and a man. Oftentimes it's just, well, let's talk about the woman caught in adultery. Well, guess what? There was a man involved too. They drug her out of this place, right? Threw her down in front of everybody. Wanted to stone her to death. They were challenging Jesus, right? And if you remember, I've done this before, but Jesus gets down and he starts drawing in the dirt. Right? Can you imagine how mad they were? All the Pharisees, he's drawing in the dirt. It just cracks me up. But, and the reason is, is because he just he knew everything that was going on. And they said, well, well we're going to stone her to death. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? And he said, well, okay, if you feel that way, then go ahead. Whoever's not sin, and I'm paraphrasing, whoever's not sin, you go ahead and start. You throw the first stone, whoever that is. Right? And he gets back down. He starts writing some more. And I'm guessing he's smiling. I don't know. But one by one, they start to leave. Why? Because there was no one without sin. 
So what happens is, he says, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? Didn't even one of them condemn you? She says, no. And he says, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Right? Can you imagine the impact that Jesus had on her life? Not only saved her life in complete humiliation, but stood up for her and said, I I forgive you. Go and sin no more. Do you think that she fell back into that? I don't think so. Radical transformation. Let's take a look at a man who was possessed by demons, literal demons living in a graveyard, graveyard in Jerisons. And I did look that up, pronunciation. Right? It talks about a man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained. Even with chains, he would break these chains. If they tried to, he was so strong, he'd rip them off. Possessed by demons. Smash shackles. He was overcome by demons. Jesus put all those demons into a herd of pigs and threw them as they ran over a cliff and all drowned. The demons knew exactly who Jesus was. So that man then was healed. Scripture says, so the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things that Jesus had done for him. Do you think that man captured some disciples? Do you think that that guy went out and shared what Jesus... You better believe it. It says it right here. Can can you imagine how scared people would have been of him when they first saw him enter their town? Can you imagine? Take some of the the worst people in the world that we see today that are overcome by awful things. You have somebody like that walk into your town, what do you think would happen? You'd be scared. And this man then went on to share what Jesus had done in his life. Radical transformation. Evidence of change. The one we're going to focus on today is the Apostle Paul. Talk about Wow, huh? Talk about some transformation. You're talking about a man that, was, that, that craved power and wealth and authority. We don't think about Paul like that. You, I don't. I, mean, I think about Paul as writing, what, 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament, right? I mean, that's how I look at Paul. Paul speaks in my life almost every single day. I mean, I, I feel like I have a personal relationship with Paul. I do. But he, he was a different man before his transformation. He was a man that held the coat of men that stoned others to death. And I was going to throw a picture up here of, of that. If you want to be uh, humbled, Google um, stonings in biblical times. And talk about some crazy drawings. Imagine that woman thrown on the ground. And men standing around. You're not talking about some little gravel out in the parking lot. You're talking about stones. Stones. The pictures that I saw showed men over the top of men and women like this. Can you imagine 
and he's standing off to the side condoning the whole thing. Persecution of the early church. He then goes on and is absolutely transformed. Absolute transformation. I wrote this. He transformed from a man who had a hatred for anything and anyone he could not control to one who relinquished all control to God. Isn't that something? So think about that. How many of us try and control everything in our lives? How many of you, at, and maybe not right now, but how many of you at times have tried to do that? Almost all of us. God will humble us so quickly, won't he? Because we think we're in control. We think we got this. That's when we don't, we don't even have a grip on it at all. He went from being a disgrace to God to being one of God's most noteworthy and productive evangelists. And, and something else I want you to think about is where are you at right now? You, you may be sitting here comparing yourself to Paul prior to his transformation. That may be where you're at this morning. You, you may not know Jesus to be your Savior yet. And, and, and again, I've said it, but people think the place is going to burn down or the, the roof's going to cave in when they come in, right? Well, that's, it, doesn't, it doesn't happen. It hasn't happened yet, right? So keep coming. Bring your friends, right? It's not, but my point is, is sometimes, though, in our own minds, the enemy can absolutely convince us that we are worthless, that we will never be used, that you will never be transformed, that, that you can't do anything. You're brought up this way, that's the way it's going to be. Period. That's a lie. That is a lie. You've either convinced yourself of that, somebody else has convinced yourself of that, or Satan has convinced you of that. But it's an absolute lie. If you want to change right where you're at, no matter where you're at, you can change through the power of Jesus Christ. Amen? So don't sit back on your haunches and think, oh, this is just the way I am. Look at Paul. Look at the transformation. I don't think you're stoning anybody to death, are you? No. So if you want to be used by God, ask him to use you. There are people here right now that have, been asked, that have asked in a, in a crazy way, God, use me. And they stand out like sore thumbs. And I love it. Because they're following Jesus. That's where I want us all to be. I made a list of some people that just, you know, inside of our church, and I'm, I'm not going to read them off just because of time, but just look around. Just take a look to your right and to your left. Do you see somebody sitting next to you where, that you've seen transformation in? As I sit up here, my view is incredible. I'm serious. Because I can look at many, I, I mean, it's cool to make eye contact too. I know you can't tell really probably who I'm looking at at this point, right? But it's a pretty cool thing. Because I see transformation all over the place. That's, a, that's awesome, Okay. Continue to be transformed into the image of God. So, I want you to know that there's only one power, one source for transformation, and that is God. Transformation comes through salvation, and salvation comes through the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to read a few scriptures for you. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, 
For the message of the cross, the gospel, is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is, it is the power of God. Peter says in Acts 4.12 that salvation is found in, in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And then Romans 1.16.17 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Isn't that awesome? The power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. The gospel goes on and teaches us in Ephesians 4. It says to put off your old self. Again, put it off. Get rid of your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your what? minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Again, I mean, I could just preach on just this scripture. I mean, l allow your mind to be blown, right? I'm serious. To be transformed in a way like, and you're like, well, yeah, that'd be great, but how do I do it? You don't have to go far. You don't have to go far. I don't have my phone on me, but it's right there. The Bible app, right? It's right there. Romans 8, 13 says, For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. And what that means is, if you don't repent of your sins, you're, you're going to go to hell. And I, it's so hard to say that. Because <sighs> God does not want that for anybody. When we give our lives to Christ, we, are, we become a child of God. He does not want anybody to go anywhere other than heaven. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. I'm going to change gears just for a minute. This is, this is something I think we all struggle with, and I wish I would have allowed a little more time for it, but we, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do it anyways. Maybe here till one, I don't know. So how many of you have asked yourself this question? How do I stop doing what I know I should stop doing? Three. Yeah. How, let me read again. How do I stop doing what I know I should stop doing? Okay, a lot of us. I think that Paul, in Romans 7 and 8, message version, is a grand slam, home run. I, I just, I'm serious. Like, so I'm going to read this to you, and um, we're going to talk a little bit along the way, but I don't, really, I don't really need to interpret a whole lot, okay? So here we go, 15 starts this. It says, what I don't, and this is Paul speaking, what I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. We would agree with that. But I need something more, he says, for I know the law, but still I can't keep it. And if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but I do it anyways. 
My decisions, such they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. How many of us, has, that's been our story. Two hands for me, right? Two hands. 21 goes on, says it happens so regularly that it's predictable. Again, hand raising. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, which I do, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Isn't that incredible perspective? Like not all of me, like I'm in, but I'm not all the way in. Like I got one foot in, like I'm like, I want to do the right thing, but no, I don't, right? That's how I read that. Parts of me covertly rebel, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. Isn't that something? We've been there. This is, it is so cool, Paul. This is Paul. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and my mind, but I'm pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different than that. The solution, going on to A, the solution is life on God's terms. Verse 1 says, With the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, that, that faithful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into Christ being here for us, no longer have to live under a continuous, low-lying black cloud. Isn't that, isn't that analogy amazing? I don't like clouds. I don't like black clouds. I like sunlight, right? I'm serious. How many of us can get where we're walking around in a dark cloud hanging over us day in and day out? It can happen. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. So stop there just for a minute. So think about that. Freeing you from a, from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. What happens when we sin? What is the result of sin? Absolute tyranny on the inside of us and on the outside of us. It happens. When you accept Christ as your Savior, you, you've accepted the Holy Spirit into you. Lives inside. Imagine, I just, I just imagine this, this image of Christ and smiling Jesus that Jeremy had, like literally just, just coming inside of my body. That's how I envision the Holy Spirit. I mean, and if I'm listening, I am walking, I'm talking, I'm moving, just like what the Spirit would want me to do. If I don't do that, I'm sinning. And so whenever I sin inside of me, what's the Holy Spirit sending through my body? All kinds of stuff that does not feel good. And then when I sin, especially outward, guess what? There are consequences to the sins that we commit, period. Inside and outside. It's called conviction on the inside, and it's called you're in trouble on the outside. Right? It's called broken relationships. It's called financial distress. It's called divorce. It's called anger, rage, jealousy, gossip. We can go on and on, right? 
brutal. I just love how he draws this picture of literally being beaten to death by our sins. That's the picture that I want you to draw. And God put a word in my ear many, many years ago that when I sin, it's like that, that lashing of what they were doing to Jesus that day. When I sin, that's like hitting him across the back. Okay, three. God, I love this. I had to look at it a couple times. And I'm like, surely that's not in there, but it is. God went for the jugular when he sent his own son. He didn't deal with the problem as something remote and unimportant. In his son Jesus, he personally took on the human condition, entered the disordered mess of struggling humanity in order to set it right once and for all. Amen. The law always ended up being used as a band-aid on sin instead of a deep healing of it. And now what the law code asked for, but we couldn't deliver, is accomplished as we, instead of redoubling our own efforts, how many of us have tried that, simply embrace what the Spirit is doing inside of us. That's what I was just talking about, folks. So many times, we just try harder. Guess what? If you try harder, you're likely going to fall back into sin. If you just try harder. Some people say, just try harder. And I'm up for trying harder. But I'm saying, put, get, accept the Holy Spirit. Those of you that have already accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit is inside of you, but it's almost like he just shrank down into, like, little, you know? Like, I want him, I want him just below the skin, right? So, I mean, I'm, when he's moving, I'm moving, right? That's, and my mind is weird, I know, but that's the way that I, I look at it. And so, we don't want any Band-Aids for sin. The Old Testament right? We don't want any band-aids for sin. We want the real thing. That's Jesus Christ. Listening to, reacting to the Holy Spirit speaking to us. And if you're out there going, the Holy Spirit doesn't speak to me, then get engaged. Get engaged. Casey said last week, be intentional. Like, just be intentional. Like if you want the Holy Spirit to speak to you in a louder voice, get closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is the Holy Spirit, right? How many, how many of you do really good in your relationships when you don't talk? Like do you, does it get better when you don't talk, when you don't have conversations? Husbands and wives, brothers and sisters, anybody that's here, when you don't talk, does, does it help the relationship? Not usually, Right? When you have conversation, you communicate. It builds relationships. Even the tough conversations build relationships. Sometimes the tough conversations are the best ones. They hurt the worst, and they're the deepest and the hardest to have. But after you have them, wow, transformation comes. So my point is, if you want to hear the Spirit speak more clearly to you, have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Talk to him more, which means pray to him, right? And then he speaks to us through his word, other people, devotions, right? Five, five goes on, it says, Those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle, but never get around to exercising it in real life. And I just think that's really, really cool. So what we're going to do, I'm going to encourage you, to go into Romans on your Bible app, Romans chapter 8, and, and start reading. Um, go back and read 5. And I want you to kind of read through 
um, 21-ish. Okay, can you do that for me? What that talks about in there is putting self before God and how that can separate us from God and not allow us to rely on the power of the Spirit to change us. And I want to I read this verse here. I don't know, Eric, if you're going to be able to find it. It's in section 9 through 11. It's the second to last bullet point. It starts out with, when God lives. Well, that was really fast. <laughs> when God lives and breathes in you, and he does, as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from the dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ. Isn't that awesome? Amen. Praise and worship, you come on up. The number one decision, the number one decision that you will ever make as you walk on this earth, the number one, it is the only decision, is to accept, to understand how much God loves you. To understand that we are separated from God by our sin. We can't get to God on our own. We're separated. But Jesus came to create a bridge between God and us so that we could spend eternity with Him. And Jesus came so that we could be forgiven for our sins. And we, when we confess our sins and we repent of those and invite Jesus Christ into our heart, we have salvation. Everything that I talked about today is true. It's all true. Every bit of it. The gospel does not lie. That is the biggest decision you will ever make. I invite you personally, if it's, if it's right now at this altar, or if it's after service, or it's at lunch, or whenever it is, to call me. And I will come wherever you're at, and I know Jeremy would as well, and we'll lead you in the prayer of salvation. Because it, it is the decision. I want to close with this scripture. It's Ephesians 5. It says, imitate God, 5, 1, 2. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do. Because you are his dear children. Think about how much you love your kiddos. And those grandkids. God loves us so much more than even that. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let's all stand this morning. Before we sing, I want to pray for us. And I want to thank God. God, I just, I humbly, humbly... humbly come to you this morning. God, you continue to blow my mind and amaze me at just how faithful you are. God, you are 
incredible. I thank you for the salvation that you've provided through your son, Jesus. I thank you for every heart that's here this morning. I thank you for every, every word, every song, every handshake, every smile that was witnessed today. God, and we give you, we give you every ounce of, of any and all glory there is. God, it's all, all about you. God, I pray that you would continue a transformation inside every, every single person that's here, that's not here, around the world, God. That you would continue to touch their heart to the point, God, that they come to you and give you their life, Father God. I thank you for the miracles that we saw today. I thank you for the miracle of baby Charlie Grace. I thank you for all the miracles of testimonies that you have overwhelmed us with, God. I thank you and praise you with absolutely everything in me. Father God, as we stand and we sing, God, I, I pray that you would go inside each heart. And God, if there's somebody here that needs to come forward for, for prayer this morning, God, I pray that you would just get them moving. And we know that when we take that first step, you take care of the rest. God, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray.